whatnot. So anyway, what are your thoughts on all of this? I've rambled. Well, I will say that my system was not recording. Now it is recording. So. God damn it. But uh, it's fine. Fuck this. You're fired. But, <laughs> I mean, we have this. I'm done with this bullshit. <laughs> we have this recording. Some, <laughs> this is fine. Uh, but I will. <laughs> like how you're like, this is fine. It's fine. It happens. I will decide it's fine. <laughs> Uh, but nevertheless, oh, the, whatever. Uh, what are we talking about? We got to start. <laughs> should we start? We can start over, over I guess. Should we, start over? should we? Thirty minutes in. Oh my god. Okay, we can go for a heavy hitter. The social psycho confabulation. With Ben and Mr. A. Quick hits. Whatever. We're talking about declining birth rates. Look, here's the skinny. Birth rates are declining all around the world. So are marriages. And so are sex rates. People are having less sex. People are having less marriage. And people are having less babies all over the world. Okay? This is already a better podcast than the first half. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's, let's wrap it up. That's it. See y'all next time. That's it. Uh, That's no. the end of the show. That's all <laughs> you need to know from today. No, there. Okay, so yeah. So let's let's talk about it. We have the 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 major narrative about population decline like that's a big trope i mean elon musk has talked about population decline he's also uh probably the antichrist so that's weird right very interesting so we all but but at the same time so let's put it this way as we just mentioned it's always couched in this theory that and this has been taught to everybody like if you if you went to i mean probably even in just regular school now i mean it's like a Yeah. yeah it's like a fact of life apparently basically like gravity exists like things fall down the more prosperity go down population go down with more prosperity for whatever reason now i think that's a miss that's i think that's a false premise i think that's not i, I mean it's not even a premise that's a fa- i think it's a false conclusion the premises are also false because I think we call things advanced. So, like, what do mm. we indicate? In, what what is what gives that the moniker of an advanced civilization? Well, women don't stay at home; they go to work. Somehow, that's con- that it gets folded into industrialized, advanced. You know, it's advanced when everybody has to go to the nine to five and and turn the bolts in the factories and, <laughs> that's and push the buttons on the computer. That's advanced. Oh so the more God. advanced we get, so that's a false premise that like work, everybody just working, working, working is advanced. So I find that to be incorrect. That's never challenged. I don't know why, but it doesn't seem true to me. It seems right. bizarre, actually. Well, it's like, yeah, progress and prosperity or whatever. It's like, that's, it's, it's just a net good. Like, it's almost like you have to agree that, uh, that having children and having families and having kids, that's not a good. We, prosperity is still the version of society that doesn't have that. Like, (laughs) so you're like, this trajectory where that stuff goes down, that's the good trajectory. That's the one we want to be on. Yeah, and, um, and you do have like people doing things like under the under this premise, like Bill Gates famously being obsessed with reducing population. 
And then right. people try to like twist that and be like, he doesn't mean that. It's not what he's saying. It's like, yeah, no, like literally, literally, those are the words. Like if we can get, he famously literally has like an equation on a board at a TED talk. And he's like, if we can get one of these numbers pretty close to zero and the everyone kind of laughs because everyone knows that the number we should get pretty close to zero is the birth rate, <laughs> then oh that God. would be helpful because we got to reduce the population. And I think he's actually taking the false premise and then even flipping it and saying that it's not the advancedness, the advancedness of your civilization that causes the declining birth rate. Actually, if we could decline the population, then we could be more advanced. It's like, whoa, we're like getting into this like <laughs> Cheshire cult. cat like spiral into some kind of crazy logic here. So, oh, God. So that's weird. Um, but I think there's I think there is another component to this. Which is fertility rates. Fertility rates. I mean, rates. Fer- ferti- fertility, period. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. so there's all sorts of theories about what causes the declining birth rate, advanced civilizations, working mothers, expenses, yada, yada, yada. But there's also this fact of like people's fertility is declining. And this has been talked about by many different people for in and attributed to many different things. I mean, we have the gay frogs, which really that's like, people think that's some like extreme rhetoric, but it's actually moderate rhetoric. What actually happens to the frogs is they literally switch sexes by being exposed to chemicals like atrazine. They get feminized, yeah. Male frogs with male sex organs develop female sex organs and actually become fertile females. This is yeah. crazy. It's crazy. When we've got uh, declining sperm counts in men. When we have the microplastics, that that was a there's a big time researcher. She was on Joe Rogan talking about the de- declining birth rates in the in the plastics and mm. that there's measurable like effects of this. Like famously, Joe Rogan thought it was great kind of that like one of the measures here is like the what they call the taint is shrinking the distance between your scrotum and your asshole (laughs) that apparently in mammals including humans that you can measure that and it's actually an indicator of fertility a lot of times and in theory well, in reality, that distance for men is large compared to women where that distance is very small. So there's also this, you might even be able to fold in the idea of like this kind of feminization of humanity. Oh, that like shrinking male taints would right. be a signal of feminization of men. And well, and Interestingly, I'm pretty sure I don't think there's any research that points out because what these things are are phytoestrogens. So it's never the other way around. You know, it's never like the the male frogs become female and the female frogs become male. No. Hmm. That there's no not... masculinization of women. Right. Which in my kind of skeptical mind starts to that's like a point on the side of this. Some of this could be on purpose. Why is everything a a phytoestrogen or 
but there's we're not bombarded with pseudo testosterone and <laughs> things like that. You know, it's it because that would that would be something people would really get upset about. You know, if we were like becoming more manly and more aggressive and more fertile and whatever, you know, that would just that is not for the narrative. Wow, can you imagine? Wow. I don't even know if I want to imagine, but we've also been told yeah, that yeah. high masculinity is like a toxic thing that's to be feared. I mean, right, Hillary right. or you, Clinton used to call like black men, was it Hillary or Bill Clinton? Like they called them super predators, which was like this because they were like hyper masculine, you know, et cetera, oh. et cetera. It's like, so there's this derogatory look at like a masculine culture. Right. So it makes I don't sense. know if that was them, but that was definitely a cultural narrative that was yeah. spun up. Yeah. So I'm trying to remember what. Well, there's a lot of stuff. So that's interesting. Um, I was going to mention, so back, I mentioned the economy or whatever, and that obviously it's more expensive to have children and whatnot. And we brought up how there's increasing demands for people, children to be raised by the state. Children are the property of the state. Children don't belong to families. They belong to the state. Um, And so that's weird. Uh, But no one seemed to mention in the articles about all this. One, it's weird because, I don't know, if you ever do research on something, I found this uh, kind of frequently, actually, when we do this podcast where I'll be like, let's talk about this. And then I go do research on something and I'm like, why do all all the articles say the same same thing? thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're like... Um, can anyone provide like yeah. a counter opinion here or There's just like a different two, perspective? 2.4 million Google results and apparently they all say the exact same thing. So there's right. 2.4 results. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No diversity in results. It's one narrative. And I don't know if and, we said yeah. this on this half of the recording, but that I think there's a mismatch between calling that progress women working, everybody working, pushing buttons, turning bolts, that that's the progress. I think that's a misnomer. It's not. That's right. just, and that's what all the articles say. All the articles say this is progress. Don't even worry about the declining birth rates. And it's because of women getting more power. Almost like it's good power. for society. Yeah. Like it's good to have a declining birth rate because it's a sign of like an advanced civilization or something. But now or all advancing of a sudden. Like women. Very, yeah. And now we have yeah. this all of a sudden. This I think this has kind of been sprung upon upon us as far as like mainstreaming the idea. All of a sudden now we're like, wait, wait, wait. This could be a problem. Because the birth rate <laughs> now is, that they've I don't been know, declining actually, for fifty years and they're at yeah. below replacement level and we've seen population decline spread to not just developed countries, but countries all over the world where all of a sudden like maybe this is a problem. And it's a uh, what do they? I think they say. I don't know if this is like true mathematically, but like the birth rate is like the exponent by which things increase or decrease. And so, what what the people's mm-hmm. fear is is that mm-hmm. when this whatever this is, whatever that number becomes, affects things tremendously, like extremely, like very precipitously, exponentially, <laughs> exponentially even. Ooh. That if that if that number gets too low, you'll see at a certain point Dramatic it will changes. it'll be like the snap of a finger and you'll be screwed. And there's these countries that are experiencing that apparently, like Japan, China, like China had that one child policy, they got rid of all that. 
but now they right. can't they're have they're not able they're not able to fix it they're like this is we can't why are we not able to reverse this trend right and i don't China know what the answer recorded is recorded their first population decline in a long long time and their birth rates have hit all time lows um, and they can't encourage people to have babies. That's what there's the, all these programs being spun up around the world and governments to like encourage people to have babies. Like what we were just saying, like sponsor the childcare and provide money to women to have more children. And even that's not working. So yeah, because that's maybe the system, the maybe the system that has been like praised <clears throat> and just sought after and lauded is a fucking bad system. Right. Like why well, that's, this is yeah, that I was saying I was earlier about the progress make. for progress sake and like progress creates a bad problem and the fix for the problem isn't like any kind of conservatism or like fixing what we just did. It's just doing a new progress to fix the old problem. So everybody's working because that's progress. So women are no longer taking care of their family and their household. That's progress. But now they can't afford children. Okay, well, let's do a new progress where we pay the government pay, state sponsored yeah, children raising or whatever well yeah you got to give them money for daycare not not pay men or somebody not ways raise wages you know in a realistic way in a non political way to actually change the outcomes here just more more uh Meddling. More empowerment for women. In the system. <laughs> Whatever that means, yeah. More well, radical feminism. In, in this case, what it means is literally just keep sending your children to daycare. Don't like spend prison. any time with your children. Yes. And you, you wonder that. Like when everybody in a household is working, I'm, you know, we're in that situation to some extent. Or like at least it should be like we know that Kim makes all the money, and probably, and I mean if she especially if she ever actually had to go back to the office, that we might want to reverse that role. Like how about you stay home with the kids? I'll do the money making. Mm-hmm. But currently, like that's a humongous change. If you disagree, which I think a lot of people do, I think a lot of people just inherently go, well, if I have a kid. Like I have a friend that just had a kid and this baby was like this big, like a, like a bean, you know? And they're Less like, than a foot. and they're literally, I'm telling me and like writing on Facebook, like time to go back to work, you know? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, where's the baby going to go? And they're like putting this tiny little baby in daycare for 10 hours a day. I'm like, yeah. that's an infant. How, how I, it's sad. I, yeah. I don't even understand. I can't. I, I literally could not imagine doing that. I can't imagine taking my infant child and just putting it in a facility all day long. You right. don't even know those fucking people. That's but ridiculous. this is the argument that these crazy people make at the World Economic Forum and all these articles you see online are like, this is about women's liberation. And women have just been held down too long by the patriarchy and they can finally work their careers like they've always wanted to because the most meaningful thing in life is working a career. It's not raising exactly. children. Get those children to the daycare. Leave that to the peasants to raise the children. Why? Like, and I don't what? understand why... Why is this like the dominant – like you said, like if you go look into any of this, it's like this This is the dominant – there's no like yes, People are like, this isn't a problem. No, it's not a problem. It's just a fact and we just need to do progress at it. You know, it's yes. like, what? I don't understand. I don't understand how you can – like the, that's how, that podcast I was talking about that I 
that's like really fast paced. They made so many interesting points, but I want I kept pausing it and rewinding it because I was like something like the the narrative of the whole story put, put laid out in like a speech or whatever, you know, is just there's I, I like personally, I'm just like, I have so many questions. Like I have so many questions. What are you saying right now? Like, why are you like, I, we need to stop as soon as you call that, like respecting the rights of what, like, cause so what they, cause here's how this is like the fullness of the argument. You go to the other side and you look at like they do this. They're like, oh, we'll go. You look at the places where there are still good birth rates, high birth rates, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Where what, which we're kind of in a way, we you feel like what we're trying to say here is that's the that's good. You know, they're that's good because they're having. Let's go investigate what gives them this good thing called a normal birth rate, and they go and look at it, and then they characterize it as, oh well, they ha- the women have no rights and. There's no prosperity and they're poor and it's horrible. And it's like, (laughs) well, then what, what, what's going on then? Like, are you couching this wrong? Like, are you, are you calling poverty something that isn't poverty? Are you calling, are you saying rights when you don't mean rights when that's not, it's a right that nobody wants, you know, like it doesn't. So, cause then what's the solution in those cases? Is it, it seems to be two, it's either one of two things raise up the prosperity level and give women quote unquote rights, which means send them to work in right. the same factories that the men are working in or the coal mine or the, whatever the work is at that point in that particular civilization in that country or yeah. raise the birth rate or lower the birth. You know, it's like either way your, your, your variables are not good. They're not. Well, it's a framing problem. It's like people will see, you know, women getting into the workforce as a good thing and women staying at home and raising children as a bad thing. And that's, it depends on who you ask. Like some women want that. Maybe that's a cultural narrative, but not all women want that. Some women think it's a privilege to stay at home. I literally just worked with a woman who got back from maternity leave and she was like, I wish I could have stayed longer, you know? And in that way, it's like, it would have been a privilege for me to stay longer. Yeah. And so and it's maybe, almost like I this think, sucks to have to come back to work. And it, I think there's a part of it too that's like this consumerist – I think consumerism is is a part of the equation as well. Why? How does that happen? Like how do you have a child and then you have a woman that has the child, which by the way is where women or children come from despite popular belief. And <laughs> – then and then they feel like they need to go to work immediately like there's there must be if you wish that you didn't go to work you wish that you could stay home but you can't the question is then why can't you why don't you and i think that's a complicated answer for like the yeah. individual to give but i think part of it may may actually be well i can't afford not to so what right. does that mean that means that we've created a system by liberating women or whatever you want to call it that has impoverished people. We are so we made them we're saying we made them slaves to the yeah, workforce, so, yes. So therefore, how are we calling this prosperity? Why are we using that term? So prosperity is equals lower birth rates, but the prosperity is causing it like the the prosperity is causing lower birth rates by lack of prosperity like it doesn't that does not compute it doesn't work the math is wrong you can't say that one of those numbers is a negative and you're called you're multiplying by a negative number and forgetting to carry the negative 
Well, I would just say, yeah, it's a framing problem. You're just appraising certain things positively that maybe are literal negatives or that generally most people would appraise as negatives. Um, and yeah, I can see how you would think that. Because like, so for example, the way people make this argument is like, well, women are being educated more. And so, I mean, you see that literally more women are in higher education programs than men and more than ever before. And then you see one of the consequences of that is that now women are waiting longer to have kids because they want to finish school and they want to have a stable job. Um, and that means that birth rates are declining. And also then women become, you know, potentially heads of household. They're making the most income so they can't stay home to raise the children. So you can see how all these things like you may have negative consequences of women being able to pursue career. And it's like pursue career at the expense of what, though, and at the expense of pursuing motherhood, um, potentially. And it's not just for women. I don't want to rag on women, but it's also for men. It's like at the expense of men pursuing fatherhood because now men have to, you know, work and they don't have a family wage, so they can't support um, themselves or their families. So, you know, then they have to be, you know, entwined with this system too. And um, yeah, obviously that's not so much as women, uh, but still, yeah. Exactly. I was going to see if I could play this. There was a really interesting point that was just too much for me to like repeat back from this podcast. It was these, is this husband wife team were interviewed by some guy named Spencer Greenberg. I don't know if he's like well known or not. Um, his podcast is called Clearer, C-L-E-A-R-E-R, -E Clearer Thinking. Hmm. And they have a episode, he has an episode with this husband-wife team, Malcolm and Simone Collins, and they are pro-natalists, uh, which is like... Pro-birth. Pro-birth and life and stuff. <laughs> yeah. But not like pro, I don't know if pro-life is the wrong connotation, but you get it. Like they about, Maybe that's like, why they yay. don't call themselves that. <laughs> Yeah, like yay babies. Yeah. So um, let me see. Can, tell me if you can even hear this. I'm just going to push this button and see if it plays. That Did you hear that? No. You have to oh, you share didn't? your screen, oh, okay. I think. I must have to yeah. share it. Um, let's see. What is this button? Oh, yeah. Here we go. Why are birth rates plummeting? Share. I have no idea where this starts, but it's somewhere right around here. We'll just cut this out. You're really only looking at white Christians and Jews. Specifically, what I mean by Jews is in Israel, Israel is projected to be one of only like four countries in, in the world that will be at a positive fertility rate at the turn of the century. Um, and within the U.S., if you look at the rates of collapse, they are the slowest among the, the white Christian population when contrasted with the black population or the Hispanic population. And... The white Christian population seems to have the largest population clusters of individuals who are able to maintain a high birth rate in, 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 in sort of the face of modernity. So obviously a lot can change in the next 80 years, right? The world can be completely different where all of our projections are wrong. But suppose we were to project out from here, just like our best projections of what the world will look like 80 years from now. Are you saying that it will be mainly Christians and then some Jews and then not very much of other groups? Or what, what are we actually... Predicting based on the data. Two of the highest correlating factors with high birth rates are poverty and low female educational attainment. So one of our primary causes with pernatalism is to a great extent to protect 
women's rights and to make sure that the groups that are represented in the future aren't just impoverished people who don't support women's rights necessarily to include a really broad group of people. Okay, pausing for a moment. This is exactly what we're talking about. This weird, like, so these are pro-natalists. These are people who are like, we want a better birth rate. We want more babies. But also, we are standing firm behind the, the notion that, the, the, like, basically, women's the women, women in the workforce is women's rights, and we want to keep that. So that's like this... Right. funky thing that like people that they try to just they just want to hold on to this notion so badly because so you it makes you think poorly it makes you think you 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 keep you have to think in mm. accordance with the faulty narrative and i think that that stops us from making actual progress in so many ways it makes us do that thing that i keep talking about which is like progress equals mistake solution to mistake is a, another progress another progress and it's like so where does this really where does the camel's back break you know like something happens at some point right like right well but, it's yeah this dogmatic assertion that career women having careers and working in the workforce is the ultimate good that is the highest thing women could strive for and it's like that's a weird view of society like that careerism is the highest anyone could strive for and i'm not saying that that is not a good thing at all. But like, I think most people, if you poll people, and I think there's research on this even, like the most meaningful things in their life were becoming parents and raising children. That's what so, these, these people talk about that as well, so, which is so weird because they also hold tight to that line. But I'll play a little more because they just say so, like, every couple minutes is like a, just another really interesting fact. Like we don't just want the the cultures and people represented in the future to be very against women in the workplace, um, very against female educational attainment, those sorts of things. And to clarify what she means there, because this is coming directly after a talk of, you know, white evangelical Christians and Jewish populations, we are not saying that those communities are disproportionately against women's rights, but within any population group, the portions of that population group that are more against women's rights will have higher birth rates. And also almost that's the fact. Like that's the fact that we started with where it's like you it's this is just seems to be true. Again, whether those are the proper variables to be looking at. Is it is you know correlation causation kind of questions here in my mind. But, we'll but groups continue. where women but I was just going to clarify for listeners, like they're saying that groups where people aren't for radical, uh, like liberation of women have more traditional patriarchal societies, normative sex, gender roles or whatever, not normative, but like traditional. Um, those are the ones with high birth rates. That's what they're saying. And the ones that have, oh, liberated the women, those ones are the ones that have low birth rates. Yeah, and it's funny because they have to dance around that fact a little bit where it's like, oh, these guys are doing so much better as far as like, you know, human civilization and like continuing like the human population. Right. But they're all backwards, aren't they? You know, it's oh like, huh? Well, so, that's what I wanted to point out too and then you can play the rest of the thing. But uh, yeah, we so we look at other populations of animals and species and no one looks at a declining population and says, that's good. But then we look at you and right. so we're like, that's exactly. good. That's good. This is a good indicator. Yeah. 
Right. In any population groups, the portions of that population group that are poorer will have higher, higher birth rates. So how does this interact with the claim that it's largely Christian groups and Jews that are having the highest birth rates? So this actually comes to like our larger solution to this, right? So what we are saying is across every group, you see this, but certain traditions. So this comes to our book, The Pragmatist Guide to Crafting Religion, where we go over this thesis that you can think of humans as being sort of two things. Humanity is sort of the evolved firmware we have, which is our like biological predilections, which obviously was shaped by uh, genetic selection pressures. But then on top of that, there were these mimetic packages. And today we often think of mimetic packages as being um, the things that like infect a person and then motivate that person to infect other people, right? Like we think about them in marketing terms. Talking about like cult cultural memes, basically. Yeah, yeah. But historically, there were these things that we call cultivars. Yeah, they're like cultural memes, where it's like a mix of like a culture and a religion. And this sat on top of the human condition and primarily spread not by converting people, which was actually fairly rare, historically speaking, but by augmenting the fitness of the people that it sat on top of. And when we say fitness... To be clear, we don't mean quality of life. We do not mean, you know, fitness is morally blind. We just mean number of surviving offspring they had that stayed in the same culture. And this was sort of like, if you think of the firmware, like these genetic proclivities humans have as being like a lower level coding level language, this is like the object-oriented coding language that can undergo much faster evolution. And it allowed things like, you know, if you look at Islam or Judaism, like both of them it culturally evolved the knowledge that you hand washing like Linkson's life and is a good thing to do literally centuries before, you know, like Lister and science came to the same conclusion. And every one of these cultural groups is sort of like its own organism or, or like iteration of humanity. Modernity is a new one of these cultural groups and it better eats away at the immune systems of some of these older groups than others of these older groups. It appears to encounter more immune variants in the Christian and Jewish communities than it does in other communities. It is difficult for me to hypothesize why that's the case. If I had to guess, it is because the iteration of modernity that is leading to lower birth rates uses prosperity to lure people into it. And Christian and Jewish groups have been exposed to this type of post-developing world prosperity for longer than other population clusters. And this explains why, if you look at different variants, like if you look at Catholic groups that are in the U.S. and have been in the U.S. for a long time, they seem currently more resistant to changes in this birth rate collapse than Catholic groups coming from Latin American countries, where this level of prosperity hasn't existed for a long time, and you see birth rates crashing at much faster rates. So I don't think it's anything intrinsic about Christianity or, or Jewish assistance been exposed to prosperity for longer and in larger population samples. Interesting points, don't you think? Doubtful. 
I don't know that. Well, I thought it was a little weird. That was a long rant. It is interesting. I think that last point he made that there's nothing intrinsic about Christianity or Judaism. I think mm, unlikely. Like unlikely. <laughs> unlikely yeah. that. Like what? Because the alternative, the explanation he's endorsing is crazy. Like it actually is crazy because what he is saying that those populations have been exposed to modernity for longer. What you have to endorse, like a collective memory, the prosperity that we we attribute to modernity. Yes, yes, sure. So yeah, so they've been uh, accustomed to prosperity more so than other populations would mean that. That would have to be passed on from generation to generation, though, in order for that to explain why those people today are having less children. So that doesn't – that just seems suspicious to me. It's much easier to say that there are things literally in the Jewish and Christian texts that talk about things and roles that men and women have that are counter to the cultures of prosperity and secularism. Yeah, it's probably both. Like, because the question, sure, one of the f- sure. questions I think that he's asking is like, why would so if we like can look at modernity and the prosperity and yada yada yada, and and we see and we when we're going to say that's having this effect, like he was saying, it, it lures people. So like modernity mm-hmm. lures people into itself, uh, with like the promise of prosperity, and that right. that individual creates liberation. this right, like a change in our reproductive behavior to some extent, why is it not as strong of a force on certain groups mm-hmm. Why, mm-hmm. where it is, you know? And he, the evidence for his little claim there at the end is that you do actually have like Catholic groups that this, that are not as resilient. Right. Sure. And then you yeah, have, America, and it's these yeah. longer standing ones, but it could be because I think there's something there may be something to the longevity of it, but the longevity of it may actually be attributed to the values within the systems. Right. Not right. simply because long time. Like that does that's a weird argument. Like because long time Well, it could also be, yeah, variance just like because it, obviously there's a lot of variables that affect these things and you're you, basically the way he framed it made it sound like there's still resilience, like those populations still have higher birth rates, just less so if they're from these other countries. And so to me, well, it's the, like, everybody, well, it's all, I think it's not even like higher birth rates. I think everything now is couched in declining birth rates. So it's like, they're just not declining as fast. as precipitously, oh, but God. they are declining. And they make this yeah, really yeah. weird point where like, they were saying like, if you imagine like a third, a third and a third of like, let's say your friend group. And I don't know why they say this. But they basically say like you're gonna have a third that like doesn't have the ch- doesn't have children or one children whatever, you can have a third that has like a child or something you know like does want the children, and you're gonna have like a third that like has like four kids, and for some reason they claim that the solution is not by getting the first two thirds to like behave differently, it's getting the last group with four children to have seven. Oh, like that's the solution. Isn't that weird? I don't know why that is the take. Maybe it's because it's like this notion that there's some it's kind of natural variation. Yeah, but again, so I don't know if we put this in a podcast, but I talked about that that weird little clip I saw of that YouTube guy. I think his name is Andrew Tate. I think he's like canceled now, but whatever. 
he was talking about the, his Muslim friends or something. He like he was like, I know this Muslim guy. He was like a chef or something, like just a regular dude, oh. but he drove a Ferrari. Remember that? Maybe you mentioned this. Yeah, what's the point? And he was like, his whole thing was like, he was like, how do you have a Ferrari when you don't have a Ferrari job, basically? Mm. And he was like, well, you know, we all live in this mansion, me and oh, yes. mm. all of our relatives yeah. live here together and so like this family unit is almost like basically a proxy for like community or it is a kind of community right well and, that's a good point to make because there are synergies or that's a terrible word to use there but like there are cost efficiencies of living together you know like there are certain things you don't have to pay for twice if you live together or thrice or four times or whatever well and what about grandparents like let's say that like markets have existed forever. Like markets are like a measure of modernity in some extent, but at the same time, like nobody can do everything, produce every single thing they need. You need the community, the market's part of the community. Let's say you do have 11 children. Let's say your wife does stay at home. How is she going to go to the market with 11 children? Well, maybe because grandma and grandpa are at home. They're there. Mm -hmm. They're somewhere nearby. Kim's families a little bit like that they're not that close like proximity mm. wise, like i like physically but like when there's like work like she her sister works yeah yeah but the yeah. kids will like show up here at the house or they go to the other the in-laws house or you know whatever like there's all of that makes it work without that things think the the level of difference from right. what they're doing now and the ability they have is dramatically reduced well that's just a good eliminating point. one of those families yeah, I mean, you could also explain a lot of what's going on. That's another causal factor is like the breakdown of the family and the intergenerational home, especially in America um, and in developed countries, which I it's interesting that you never hear that talked about. But yeah, I mean, because you hear the economic argument, well, women, it's hard for them to have a career and find a stable job and blah, blah, blah. Things cost higher so people can't afford children. But a lot of that is alleviated if you just live in a home with your family and it's intergenerational, but we don't really accept that, especially in sort of Western developed societies. So yeah, that's another probably preceding factor. Um, and I wonder too, if that explains some of the, yeah, some of the, uh, what would you say, resilience that he was talking about of certain communities. Like I think that like, I mean, just literally, like, religions are, are a form of community, so you have a little more of a support network if you're a religious person because, like, by definition, that means you're engaged with a community of people typically unless you're, like, calling yourself a religious member, but you're not actually a part of any community. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And I th I think the way that it works, too, like, I, okay, so I live here around us. So this was a very white area, rural, for a long time. Lots of Hispanics, but that was about it. Now, it's heavily Indian. Oh my There's God. so listen many Listen to Indians. the Indian takeover episode. <laughs> no, don't. Do not listen to that. That's embarrassing. But <laughs> the, the point being is that, so here's a phenomenon. Kim's little brother in the yearbook, he's a white face in a sea of Indian faces, okay? That, what does that indicate? I don't think that white people are leaving this area. I think that Indian people are coming into this area. And I think that they have children. So they come mm -hmm. here and they have a family because that's a value. 
that they brought with them. I think immigrants do this all the time. They come in, they have kids. That's just like part of their, that's just like obvious. You don't even think, have to think about, about it, you know, like just kids is good, you know, like family. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you that you'll see this boom and it will happen and it'll probably last a, quite a while. But I bet you when those one or two generations down become quote unquote Americanized, that that, that that population will decline as well because mm-hmm. that's what we do here. So it's difficult to escape the notion that there's something like culturally, the way we do things oh, that yeah, yeah. makes this different. So because there is this lure and I think a big part of it is, I mean, again, I believe that the fertility rates is a big problem, you know, but I think that, like, I, I mean, fertility, like actual science, like fertility, like can you even have children is a problem, right. whatever's causing that. Lower but I think sperm that there's this... men and feminization of men and yeah, yeah. less fertility of and, women, especially if they're waiting longer, they have less time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we think about it, too. I mean, I, I've thought about it, you know, that there's a there's that American, no, like, draw in your mind that's like, I'm not like saying what we're doing. I'm just saying like a thought pattern that I have thought through before where it's like if we were to have kids now versus later, there's – and if you wanted to like plan for it. Like let's say you're just having the conversation in our situation. Planned parenthood style. Right. (laughs) I think that just means plan to not be a parent. But yeah, in our situation, (laughs) we – you know, the – it would be totally – it would – Part of the conversation would certainly be, should we wait till we have another house? Should we buy a different house? Should we move? Like, is this where we want to stay for a long time? Do we want to do this and then change everything up? Mm-hmm. Do we want to be somewhere where we're more comfortable? Yeah, nah, nah. You know, you, and that in, in a way that might be pragmatic, but in another way that might be a materialist uh, mm-hmm. consumeristic mm-hmm. view of things, you know, right. because like I see we have people to have that all like, these things. We gotta have stuff first. We gotta like have the dream house. We gotta like have the nice cars. We gotta like mm-hmm. have the whatever. I gotta. I wonder if I wanna make an invest investment in my uh, little company. I wanna start. What if I wanna? Uh, da, 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 da. And that's all. In a what it, you might you could term that in, in any number of ways. Like maybe that's selfish. Maybe that's just consumeristic. Maybe that's diluted. It's like it's something. It it has its effect, and I think a lot of people do think that way. And it's like compounded a million times because you go to, especially if like you go to school and you and the woman go to school. Well, now you both have student debt. Now you, now, and then now you want the house too. So, okay. So you got a hundred thousand or let's just, let's be reasonable. You got $60,000 in student loans for one, another 60,000, $120,000. Now the price of houses, now you need another quarter, quarter to a half million dollars to get a house near your job. So then you need to make sure you've got like a reliable, you know, car or whatever. Okay. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. what are we at now? And maybe you might need daycare too, because you've moved away from your parents because you went to school in California. Okay. So now we've got basically right off the bat, you need like a million dollars and nobody has a million dollars. You know what I mean? Like that's the thought process because of all the things we think we need and all the things that we've done. And yeah, that's just yeah. such a cultural thing. There's something so strange about it all. And no, it is I, weird. If it's as dire as everybody says it is, like, 
people need to think seriously about what's going on. Yeah. Because well, it, so... the way they're talking about it is like, I don't really know the population science, but like we're apparently fucked, like fully, if population, if birth rates go exponentially decreasing. Yes. It's yeah. like that's a big, huge problem. Yeah. Well, so I went into shift gears a little bit and explore this other avenue. So I, the first thing I'll say is like the model of, I made this point before we started recording, so I'll make it again, which is about, you can think about this evolutionary biology argument, like successful species in the environment are those that are good models of the environment. And so if you think about why are people not thriving in this environment, well, you can think, well, maybe it's because we're not good models of this environment. And I think what what environment are we not good models of? And I think we're not good in models of like the developed socially constructed environment, like the cities and whatnot. Because where do you see the lowest population declines? It's like, well, in developed Yeah, I was going to ask you what you meant by when you said the environmental thing. I was like, oh, that was the last thing you said before we mm-hmm. started recording. So the environment you're talking about is... Like cities and modernity, yeah, developed country sort of environment, you know, when you think about like what a developed country is, like having healthcare and cities and transportation and access to all these goods and services and blah, blah, blah. I think that we're not a good model for that environment. And so we don't really thrive in it. And so people have less kids. And I've thought about this too, like, why do you see more non-heteronormative identities in cities and stuff. And I think, and like in developed countries, in Western liberated societies, so to speak. And I don't think it's because we've liberated people. I think it's because, well, it's, I mean, this is deep and I don't know how deep we want to go down this rabbit hole because there's other rabbit holes to go down too. But like part of being non-hetero is like, a decision to not have kids, essentially. And of course, you can be like heterosexual and decide not to have kids as well. But for sure, if you're not hetero, you are not having kids, um, unless you're adopting kids. But obviously, that's a different. If we just table that for a second. So you're not having kids. And what's that about? And it's like, yeah, on some adopting level, kids does not contribute to increasing birth rates. So right, it's not right. Other people the, have to yeah. have those kids. Hetero people, yeah. Or scientists, and if you can leave that out too, like, okay, that's a whole other thing. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, it's so weird to me. So, like, when people declare things like my identity is gay or my identity is asexual or my identity is trans or whatever, it's a little weird because partly I interpret that as, like, a declaration of, like, I am absolutely not having kids. I am not reproducing for the rest of my life. You know, it's not just that, like, I'm – engaging in certain behaviors or I like certain things or whatever. It's like, I am not continuing my genome, you know, like my species, the the version of me, you know, is like not going, I'm not going to spread my genes, so to speak. Um, And that's like a weird thing. And I was thinking about that, like, why do we see this rise of all this? And I think this is my theory that I brought up is like, well, maybe it's like, we're not a good model for this environment. And like, like, if you think about, like, when do species and plants and animals and organisms thrive? Well, it's like, well, when the environment is conducive, you know, like in springtime, you know, the environment is conducive and they thrive, they multiply. And 
I think like you can kind of take that analogy and apply it to today. And it's like, why are people not thriving? And it's like, well, something about the environment isn't conducive to life. And when you think about this is especially happening in developed societies, that's a weird thought. Like something about developed society is not conducive to the thriving of human people and the population, the species. And you see, you know, obviously lower birth rates, but you also see this huge increase in all of these identities that I just talked about, which obviously contributes to the lower birth rates. But it's like, I think there's something psychological going on as well, where it's like, this isn't a good time for me or for the species to like multiply and reproduce. And so I am adopting an alternative lifestyle, a lifestyle where I don't do that. Um, and that's, uh, yeah, so that's one thought. I don't know if you have any thoughts about that, but that's one thing I wanted to bring up. I don't know if I have any developed thoughts about it, but I, it does make me think. It's like, you know, is there something to uh, weathering a winter and then spring emerges and then all all the things that come with like the natural seasons and the way that the animals respond to that. I mean, animals tend not to, most tend not to have their offspring uh, and the right, dead right. onset of winter for there's like a mating obvious, and a breeding season right for obvious obvious reasons like that, that, that isn't conducive and so I don't know so this this is somehow related to this but I don't know how it's related to this but I think of like so like the human experience in weather and like the in the actual environment of the world and what it's like in a city, for example, there's like the city is like not even like you get weather right. And in, in the city, but like everything is nothing, nothing it's changes. Kind of permanent. With the seasons. Yeah. Yes. Nothing changes with the seasons. And maybe something about that makes people question. Cause I question like, what mm. what's the purpose of like what's the purpose of life like what are we what are we doing like why and then you wonder like why would I even have a kid like why would I d even do that I don't even right I think a lot of people ask themselves that and I think that that's witnessed also just in like people's personal psychology of like the mental health crises you know like people don't know like they don't feel like they have a purpose like Right. They're they're depressed. They're full of anxiety. They don't know what to do. They don't know why they're here. They don't know what, you know, they, this depression right. and anxiety, all this stuff comes along with it. So I don't know how those things actually go together. I don't, for, for, so what I'm saying is I don't know, like if you were mm. like a tribe, a Native American tribe or like in an Amish community, like does something about that exposure to mm. some kind of natural uh, cycle variability actually yeah. in part give you somehow some other kind of meaning and maybe it does because you're not satisfied not as that's a that's a weird word in this society to say that you're not satisfied that sounds like horrible but maybe you're not <laughs> as satisfied by by just living you know but there's yeah. not just in, infinite entertainment there's not a TV, a cons you could always have a show on, you can always be entertained, you could turn your phone on, you could scroll through Instagram, you could scroll through Facebook, you could tweet on Twitter, you 
you're busy, it's your job, you're doing this, you're doing this. So you're like, your life is just taken up by this constant stream of stimulation and what almost we're like now... trying to satiate yourself. Well, that's what we what will we know what they're doing. I mean, even on a, an actual industrial scientific level, psychological level, they're literally creating these things with like user experience in mind and trying to tap into like all of these things about humans, like their dopamine, their serotonin, Reward their norepinephrine, yeah. all of these things. And so if, when we're constantly literally trying to tap into those things, we're trying to, to mm. make those things do things. And I think that that dulls the human experience because don't, uh, if you smoke pot every day and then you don't smoke pot for like six months and then you smoke pot again, the pot hits different. If you don't have <laughs> sex, don't watch porn, you like abstain for a while and then you do have sex, like it hits different, you know, there's, yeah. it, you know, if you have a cold winter and, and it's harsh and then springtime finally comes and the sun finally warms your skin for the first time in like three months, four or five months, how, wherever you live, that hits different. You're like, oh my God. So right, I right. think that you become more susceptible to mm. the things about what it's actually like to be a person. And so the seasonality you, of life, maybe. Yeah. Then yeah. you don't. So that yeah. Then you don't have to grapple with and contemplate, and the whether how to even understand why one would even have children. Like, because there's is there not so much joy in it? And clearly, there isn't as much joy in it because you have the child, and then three weeks later, you give it to some uh, dipshit in a daycare <laughs> that so watches rando. your kid for you while you go to work. Literally, you don't know yeah. them. There might as well be a dipshit. Like it doesn't. Who, what are you doing? And yeah. that it too, to me, is evidence that like that didn't hit you right. Having that kid didn't hit you right. And probably because and also what there's plenty of evidence about like having C-sections and mother bonding with their children. And like even that alleviation or epidurals that like I understand it's hard, it's painful, it sucks. You want the epidural. But like there's research that says that you don't get the oxytocin dump that you need. So again, what are we doing? We're tapping into the human experience on a psychological electrochemical level and manipulating everything all the time for comfort and joy and satiation right, right. and dopamine and serotonin. And it creates this world. And that is the American society. It's just, it's so, it's so like when people think about America from different countries, I got this French friend and she thinks like basically like everything is New York and California. You know what I mean? Like yeah. everything is Hollywood and New York City. Like they want the I love New York t-shirt. Oh they want to come here and they want to buy American Levi jeans. I'm like, people, this shit's made in China. Like it's not what you think, but that's this this hyper yeah. reality that we live in where everything is, you know, what that's the American way, you know, almost yeah. after all. And well. It's so interesting, this idea of like things being made permanent, like you pointing out that like, well, what's really different about the cities and the human made environments of developed countries? And it's like, well, they've kind of been made permanent, like been made stable. They've We've eliminated the variability in the environment. Um, and obviously you can see the benefit of doing that logically, um, but maybe that comes at a cost. And it's interesting to me too, to note that one of the places where you think of like the epitome of American society or developed society is uh, San Francisco and Silicon Valley. And one of the interesting facts about 
that area of Silicon Valley is it has like a permaclimate. Like it doesn't have seasons there. Um, so it's very interesting that like paradise. you take that yeah city metaphor and then it's also yeah, you find climate. a paradise and everybody becomes asexual. Uh, right. Weirdos. Well, that's yeah. the other thing. It's like paradisal. It's almost got like analogy to like the Garden of Eden or whatever. And it's like it's interesting to me, like the deep metaphor and symbolism of that story, because you like heaven, like in order for Adam and Eve to become people, they have to leave the garden kind of like they whatever it means to be a person like it starts. That's the beginning of the story. You know, it's like. The whole, it's not just like, well, we like you live in heaven and perfection and it's, everything's amazing. And it's like, well, well, what are people? This is a story of people. Well, that's where it starts. And then you get cast out of heaven through the knowledge of good and evil. And then you're like seeking paradise. But the problem with a state like heaven is that there's no growth. There's no death and rebirth, so to speak, you know. And so there's no development that can happen for you as a person in a place like heaven. Like you're already at perfection. There's no forward movement. There's no development. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's like the terrible, tragic reality of life is like death and rebirth is that things aren't perfect. You're in an imperfect place, but that imperfection gives you the opportunity to grow as a person and to learn um, and that's a terrible, you you, yeah. And, and you also can't thing. ignore the like nefarious aspect that there are literally like people out there, like Bill Gates types, George Soros types, any, any, all sorts of types. And, and, and their ideology gets, they push it, push it, promote it, promote it. And then it, that permeates the society as well. But it makes you really wonder what is what's the what's the goal there and like this transgender stuff where where the level of the amount of people that are like now gay transgender asexual right two spirit all this different weird stuff and it's like that it's like forty percent of students at Brown or something they just came out with that study that's always been a really weird school from what I understand but it's a harbinger in my opinion. It's a harbinger of where things are going. Like, unless mm -hmm. the ideology is stopped, unless the ideology is fought against, unless there's some alternative, that is the vision for the future because the progress, quote unquote, progress just keeps going. It's just going to, we just keep pushing right. along. And so, and it's, it's some people are more extreme. And it, from our vantage point, we look at them and go, wow, that's crazy. But just think back 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, and what we thought, you know, was crazy or weird from that vantage point. And now all of those crazy, weird, unimaginable things are commonplace and normal. And right, so there's always right. going to be the fringe, but those fringe people, because they're like basically militant and because they have the backing of the world controlling elite that will be ushered in yeah. as the future. Like it literally will be. Yeah, you have, you have companies those changing the their logos and starting Rock, campaigns, donating. Vanguard, yeah. State exactly. Street. These are these people run the world. They the amount of money they have and and, and therefore influence that they have means that they get essentially what they want. 
Well, yeah, and that's the point I think Jordan Peterson has made. It's like, when does it go too far? And it's like, I think there's a very distinct difference between not persecuting people for who they are, how they want to live their lives versus celebrating certain things that are detrimental to the community's longevity. And just definitionally, like not having uh, heterosexual normative families is detrimental to the human community. Like that means population will decline. There are less children. There are less people to support the community. Um, And so I don't think that's like something to be encouraged. Like everybody should be living a non-hetero, you know, alphabet lifestyle. Um, And that's something to be celebrated. I'm like, that's too far. Like, it was enough when we were just like, let's stop killing people for, you know, whatever, uh, for not being normal, whatever we define as normal. That's, yes. But then this is not that. Like, this is like, you straight people should feel bad about being straight. You should actually be gay because gay is preferential. And that's crazy. And I think some of that story is, is just not true. You know, it's like the fact that women were at home at some point in history, we're told that that the picture that's painted is like, well, because everybody thought women were retarded and hor- and we just didn't like them and we just wanted to oppress them and just get in the kitchen, make me a sandwich, woman. I'll smack you around oh a bit. God. Hey, you know, it's like. And maybe that did happen a little bit. It happens now. Of course it did. It's never going to stop yeah. happening. Yeah. You're never going to stop stuff like that. So. What and directed at whoever, whatever. But the problem isn't what has been told to us is the problem. The problem is humanity has people like that in it. And so I believe that all throughout all these social movements throughout history have been presented to us through a lens that's not even true. Like, mm-hmm. can you imagine? Okay, so like, well, big thing in the 80s, gay bashing. Really, really. I, most people on the planet in this or most people in this country have never been in a in have never laid hands on another person let alone had a fist fight you know what i mean like oh that's God. not there's whether or not we want to say that's human nature or not it's in some people's nature but it's not i don't believe that that's the norm even in the world wars and all wars there was we knew there was an observation that people were given the guns, but they wouldn't shoot the other side. They wouldn't shoot the other people because they don't want to kill people. That's just, that's also human nature. So all of this shit Which is still happening, by the way. Yeah, on the Ukrainian battlefront. Yeah, I mean, they're literally killing soldiers, apparently, that won't go out to fight uh, the Russians or whatever if they want to deserve or they don't want to fight. You either have to believe something really intensely or you have to be a, a, a psycho to want to go out there and literally put bullets in people on a battlefield into like young men and women on a battlefield. Like that's, so I don't believe crazy, all of yeah. the stories that we've been told that have been used as the, the fuel to thrust us forward that we were, that black people were just 
unbelievably hated by all whites and that gay people were just bashed by every straight white man that ever existed. Right. And the North and the Civil War was just a a paragon of virtue and they were just going on a moral tirade that was completely righteous and holy. And All women were oppressed by the patriarchy (laughs) and slapped around by their working husbands. Like all of this is bullshit. That's just not true. I'll go ahead and say it. It's not true. Overgeneralizations at least. Yeah. Completely. So I'm... Yeah, I think that that's evidence of this maybe I, – I, I don't know what another word for it is, like a progressive agenda, like some kind of weird agenda to push us forward into some kind of weird future where yeah. they probably want this – I there's some something almost mystical about the way that we're moving and the kind of people we're becoming. Like it's almost like a – like if you were trying to get ready to introduce – fake aliens into society like lab made people and you realize like they just kind of come out looking like neo from the matrix when he comes out of the egg like kind of ambiguous looking and weird or whatever like okay well oh my god let's just like make everybody cool with that why is my phone telling me to unplug it that was really weird that's the laptop no it was my phone i don't know why it did that why did it say laptop did it? I don't know. What the hell? Oh, I thought it was a laptop battery. Oh. <laughs> so anyway, Neo came out of the egg looking all androgynous, and that's what we're heading toward, or something. I just think there's some kind. I think that. I think that. I mean, I don't. I don't think this. I know this. I know that there's an agenda, and I can't understand what the agenda's for. But the, it's for something, and we haven't been told what it is. Why else are we like? Are we doing this? You know what I mean? Like why? Like, yeah, a lot well, of regular people ask the ask the question. A lot of really regular people of all political leanings and whatnot, just, just normal but folks. If you just y'all. have a little normal left in you, you you sit back and you people get crazy about it because it's crazy because it is crazy. Like the whole the whole concept of fucking around. With the gender organs and the, again, yes, like we've oh been talking God. about, the the chemical, ma- electrochemical signals and makeup of human beings through medical science, when especially when you are a child, but at any stage, but as a child, this is 100, it's that extreme, it's like the fact that it's that extreme is a spiritual thing. That is to, that is so, it has to be that crazy so that you have a chance to make the right decision to see it for what it truly is and figure out what Mm -hmm. the what does that mean and your the proper reaction is to go oh my god what is wrong with these people this is demented psychotic disgusting and a humongous problem that people are actually considering this and lining the streets and fighting for these things it's that's a problem that's it's on its face, and that's go. That's that is going somewhere for you. Don't just because it's creating turmoil. Why would you do that unless yes. you have some thing There's in a mind, direction. some future yes. in mind that we don't we're not we don't have our finger on, but it's coming and it's weird and it's not good. And yeah. we see the bygone effects of it. The whole entire are you kidding me? The whole world, the world population, is declining as a result. 
Yeah. Well, so world. it's interesting because I mean, you can look at this stuff, and I actually listened to Yuval Noah Harari, who wrote uh, *Sapiens* and whatever. I listened to him talk yesterday, and he, you know, I guess he's his, crazy. He's talked about how like debunking uh, cabal theory or whatever that the world is run by a cabal, and I just thought it was interesting because so of you course can take because he's argument. part of the cabal. Oh my god! Well, <laughs> you can take it for a second. You can be like, well, it's just naivete. These people are just misguided or whatever. It's just human nature that bad decisions get made, um, but it's not controlled on a level. And I guess my argument against that would be, well, then like. How does global sweeping change get so coordinated? Like, how is it that the whole world shut down for COVID? Like, if it's not coordinated, then that is crazy. Like, you're just telling me that, like, things are just coincidentally happening on a global level? Like, what? You know what? Like, that's almost crazier. You know what makes you stupider than being a conspiracy theorist? is being a coincidence theorist that is that makes that it literally makes less sense to think that what's happening is a a dramatic series of coincidences that all have the same that all are the same color they're all the same flavor that's just a coincidence and normal that's that is mathematically absurd especially when it's coming out of the mouths of people who who are supposed to understand that. They're supposed to understand mathematical, statistical, yeah. con- like how how things act. The, the rule is randomness. That's the rule. Well, it's so interesting because that's what he argues for too. He's like, history is full of accidents and whatnot. And he's like, it could have gone other ways. And he's like, it didn't have, like the Holocaust didn't have to happen and like blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, I mean, I understand what you're saying in some sense, like, but it, it refutes your argument later because then you're like, well, you're arguing that it depends on human action. Like humans have to take choices and it's specific people that just made little choices that made huge difference. And then you're like, but it couldn't be that now. It couldn't be people, just a couple people making huge choices that make a huge difference. And, you know, so it's like a uh, blinking white man. But the way I do see that argument, so I will take it on another level where I'm like, I can see how, regardless of whether or not there's a cabal, and this can almost like be in addition to the cabal theory or as a replacement, like it doesn't necessarily, you don't need a agenda or people setting the agenda, but you could just have kind of what we have, where you have all these negative incentives to do the right thing, um, and you've completely eradicated people's self-sufficiency. And so because everyone is so dependent on the system on which society is run, that the choice that people are really making, kind of back to the social conformity thing we talked about, is really conform or die. It's not like do the right thing or whatever. It's like because if you don't conform to the system in the way that the system needs you to conform to say the right things to be able to support your family, your lifestyle, whatever, the alternative is social isolation. It's to be expelled from the group, to be shunned. And then what? You're not self-sufficient. You can't rely on yourself. And so then, I mean, it's hard. You have to go figure that out. And I think that people see that as very difficult. And so you can see how people would be led in all sorts of crazy directions um, because of that, like because of the need to conform socially. It's like the Muslim 
it's like the Muslim guy example. It's like you have your can you imagine helping your brother or your cousin get a Ferrari? Of course you can't. Because in reality, you're closer to being in competition with your brother than <laughs> in being in relate. You know what I'm saying? Like we don't need they've created a world where you just don't need it's all like self-reliance. You don't need your family. You don't need your brothers. You don't need I've I don't I don't even see I don't see friends. I don't I hardly see, I see my parents like sometimes. I see my mom and my stepdad. I don't see anybody else. And then we talk, you and I. But I don't talk to anybody else. Zero. Like a, every now and then talk to my dad, every now and then to my stepmom, you know, it's like it's just it's just me and Kim against the world and we have <laughs> We're close to her family and we see them often enough, but we're kind of all in the same boat, but it benefits us tremendously to be in this relationship. All of us benefit. Like I have to like replumb one of the rental houses because to pay someone else to do it be thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars for me to do it. It's basically free and that helps everybody in the long run. And without that, I don't know where I don't know how any of where any of us would be without the exact situation we're in and being so close. Right. Well, you way. can almost be self-sufficient. Yeah. In that way, you guys are like all living together. The community grows. Yeah. You know, but one generation ago at this exact property, I give eggs to the lady across the street who's like 100 years old, her and her husband. And back in the day. These her grandparents who lived here in this house knew that they were best friends with the family across the street and they knew the reeds and then they knew uh I can't remember their name but there's another family that's been here now everything's been sold off people have moved away whatever mm-hmm. but that's you can imagine how much like if you got your tractor stuck which they used to plow these fields for a peanut farm there's like a whole little community right here, all within just walking distance, like literally right. a stone's throw to to call upon. Now, when I got my tractor stuck a couple months ago, it took me a long time and I had to call family to come down from like Dawsonville and if I could even find someone with something. I, cause I But I could have gone to the guy over there or the guy over there, but I don't know any of these people. Right, I'm just right. like an atom, an atom. We're in an atomized society. Yeah. No. And it's so interesting, too, because so this uh, Michael introduced me to this idea from Lenny. Lenny Kravitz, I think is his name. He's a psychologist. And so Michelle Lenny Mandela, Kravitz, Lenny, 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 Lenny. I want to get away. That's, no, that's not right. I wanna oh, that's embarrassing. Lenny, away. whatever. His first name is Lenny. And I can't remember his last name. Uh, Michael will laugh at this. Um He's a singer, and he's a psychologist, too, and he has this interesting theory. <laughs> I hope the song I just sang was a Lenny Kravitz song. <laughs> oh, my God. We are all confused. But anyway, the idea is the important part. Um, and so there was it this one. Le- Mich- it wasn't Leonard. Uh, it, was it this guy? I have a Lenny book. That's oh, my a psychologist, God. I think. Was it this guy? Leonard, whatever that word is? Mom, no, but I have that it? same oh. book. Oh, really? I've, yeah. I literally bought it. I never read it. Same. I've never read this book. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> okay. Maybe we should read it. Yeah. Um, I was drawn by the title. Like, the title, the cover of that book is genius. Yes. It's about the subconscious or whatever. And there's, like, anyway. literally, if you hold the book at just the right angle, you can read the rest of the cover, but otherwise it's invisible. It says, subliminal, 
how your unconscious mind rules your behavior. But if you look at it at a certain angle, it actually says, oh, it says, Psst, hey there. Yes, you sexy. Buy this book now. You know, you want it. <laughs> exactly. If you look at it, you have to like literally look at it like long ways to even see the message in there. It's genius. Oh, my God. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, Lenny, this guy, the psychologist, had this alternative theory to Michelle Van Dellen's very popularized uh delayed gratification that this is or sorry instant gratification his theory lenny's theory was delayed gratification her theory was instant gratification the popular psychology of the day that has taken hold is that this is the instant gratification society instant gratification everybody's so you know wants to be instantly gratified quick 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 um i agree and uh well i'm about to change your mind so oh wow yeah get ready uh to have your mind change you and all your listeners um so Lenny proposed this idea that actually it's delayed gratification, and I think it's called like uh, I I slash D theory or whatever, like instant delayed gratification theory, ID theory. Um, but anyway, he was saying that because we live in such a contingent society, there are so many contingencies that actually gratification is much more delayed than it's ever been in the past. And those contingencies being kind of like what you might think of, like the fact that things are literally contingent on other things. Like we have a system, a societal system. So like in order for you to get this grocery, like you have to go to the store and the store, like the people have to have socked the store and then there have to I be I want to be a doctor. There. I've got to go to school for 10 years and then right. I can finally get this and then one day I'll have that and then I'm doing all of this because one day I really want this exactly. ultimate thing that I'll actually never get. Yeah. Right. There's so many contingencies on everything. Even if you just want to do a simple thing, like I want to build, you know, a thing in my backyard. Well, I have to call the contractor. The contractor has to call the people who are going to build it. They have to call the people who have the supplies and they have to go get there. And then we have to get the permits. And then, you know, so it's like so many contingencies. And so he's saying because of that, you're actually your your gratification is delayed. So you're, you're always planning. Gratification. Yes, you're always you can planning get gratified on your phone in the future. Really right. quickly. You sure, just, like, that's you probably could do the substitute, quickest thing. You could substitute it by going, well, I can't have what I want, so I'll just play video games. I'll just look at my phone. Yes, and just... exactly. And that's the theory is that because everything in our, like our actual needs have to be delayed, like getting food, getting, you know, shelter, getting, you know, a life, a place, um, because all of those things are delayed, we it has changed our personalities and our culture such that we sort of like fill that need for instant gratification with like the phones and all this other bullshit. And it changes our Which personality too. Which has the too. bygone effect of actually inhibiting you from accomplishing your exactly. delayed gratifications or whatever yeah. those bigger, more tangible things are. Right. And so it's so interesting because you can extend the reasoning. So you're like, you're delaying. And, and the delaying means that like you're constantly working for things that are going to pay off in the future that you're not actually sure that they're going to pay off. And I think that this also helps explain a lot of the hopelessness and nihilism and depression and anxiety of young people, because people will say this is the least disciplined generation in history. And I think in some ways, this is the most disciplined generation in history, because They've been working their whole lives for things that are going to happen in the future that may never materialize. Like we put them through all these years of school that none of that reaps rewards today. We're telling you, okay, well, it's going to reap rewards in the future. It's going to reap rewards in the future. Keep doing it. Keep getting the grades. Keep going to school. Keep doing all these things that you're supposed to do. And so in some way, they're incredibly disciplined. And I think it's becoming more and more uh, hopeless that those things are going to actually pay off. And the future is literally more and more uncertain the more contingent things become because that's how probability works is like well, contingent at, probability. Was Ger Germany has always had this 
reputation for being on time, you know, very methodical, worky, 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 you know, very determined, focused, and they got a lot out of that. Almost took over the world a couple times. But is, isn't Germany where nihilism, the philosophy of nihilism actually emerged? I think so. I mean, at least Nietzsche we have like from Nietzsche there. And, and, yeah. So scary. you end up, so you think, you know, maybe you end, maybe that's where this kind of, and we see that I feel like emerging here. So maybe there is something to that because we are still hmm. an incredible country. Like we've talked about in the last episode or one of the previous episodes, that whole like financial capital group nonsense out yeah. there m- moving things around geographically. So we don't really know, but it is, I mean, yeah, I, I buy that. I mean, I think that what you just said might actually have to do greatly with the this new kind of homelessness that seems to be like borderline dis- decisive homelessness, like a decision to be homeless. And I mm. think that that's not unrelated from what Rachel told us from her homeless camp thing that they run, where a, a piece of that puzzle, a, a uh, a, a necessary condition for that is also perhaps, as she pointed out, a tragic loss of family. So again, all these components, what I'm saying is I think we're we're right about a lot of this. At least our mm-hmm. analysis of it is that you do need to break down that community, you need to, whether by tragedy or or plan, whatever. And that that coupled with this delay, weird society of contingency and delay. Contingency, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Would lead you. Cause I have that feeling all the time. I'm like, everything's hopeless. Like we're, I don't, I never see, I, I have no vision of the future. Well, literally. Yeah. The more complex the system becomes, the more contingencies there are, the more uncertain you necessarily have to be about the future because there are more contingencies. And so the more complicated our society becomes. All the contingencies have to be yes. satisfied for you to get to the thing, whatever the thing is. Right. So it's like if I'm going to you know, have a retirement, I have to think, okay, well, the economy has to be in shape. The country can't go under. My job has to be sound. These programs can't go under. I have to live till that long. All these people around me have to support me for that long. These companies have to be around. You know, it's like there's so many contingencies today where like the simple life, you don't have to worry about all that. There's a path forward that is more clear for you. And I think that that's the epidemic of depression and anxiety that's sweeping our uh, culture or whatever. And I think that that's also the same epidemic that causes us to have lower birth rates and declining population. And it's a society in which humans don't thrive because we don't operate well under those kinds of environments. And to your point, too, it doesn't have any variability. Like that's the whole goal of the system is to reduce variability, is to make standard everything. And you you kind of made the point, too, that like that variability is kind of the spice of life. It's an enlivening force. You It makes everything more full, more rich, more meaningful um, when, you know, you go from winter to spring. But it does yeah. do that, right? Yeah. Like it's hard to figure out why that would be the case, but it just seems that it it is the case. Because I, you don't yearn for that. You don't go. Well, I'd like to have a harsh winter so that I could have a nice. You know, you don't think those things. You don't. It's not logical. Yeah, it's like not rational. obvious to you that. Yeah, but it just happens to. It just turns out that, and maybe that's why we need a million distractions all the time. Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of it is like filling that 
void or whatever, the things that would naturally gratify you instantly, like your relationships, being in a community, doing the things with the people around you, not having to worry about planning for the future, but just doing the things today that you need to do today. Um, and instead, yeah, you're you're planning, most of your day is spent planning for the future that may or may not materialize. And then what's the reward for all that labor? Like literally like we, where we started, you know, like people are working more and more and more today and then there's no generation to inherit it. There's less people now, since there's literally declining birth rates, to inherit the prosperity that we've built up. And so what's the point? And I think, yeah, you fill that, you know, pointlessness with all of the toil with, uh, you know, cheap cheap uh, wins or whatever, cheap thrills, as Sia yeah. would say. And in, in days gone by, I mean, all the way back from like biblical era, like the way back, even to actually not so terribly long ago, there was a component of, like, for example, you didn't wait often for your parents to die before you got benefits of the wealth that had been accumulated over the generations, if any had been accumulated. I mean, even like when you got a wife right. not too long ago, it was like you get the, the, the dowry, a cow and a land and a house. You know, you did, it was like because it was understood that that was. That's just how it worked. Like you can't just be flung out into the world, but that's how we do it now. We just flung out into the world, flail around. You have to wait for somebody in your family with some accumulation of wealth. Hopefully they don't have any pets that they like too much. And maybe you get, you know, a cut after the state skims off the top. Are you back? But, you know, I'm not saying that like that's what's necessary, but I'm saying that that's how it always has been. Right. Right. It's it's very similar to like helping your cousin get a Ferrari. I mean, that's ridiculous right. and materialistic, but I'm just saying that it's it's like there's a, a version of that that makes sense, but you have to value those yes. all that stuff that's been taken that's been devalued, like right. the family and your children and progeny and right. uh the other word that I can't think of. Posterity and, yeah. or whatever. The last thing I was going to say is um yeah, so we talked about the phones being like these cheap thrills or whatever. And I was thinking, I had gone down this rabbit hole. This was the other rabbit hole I mentioned earlier that we could go down. And I'll just go down it briefly, which is, you know, so why I was like, okay, so less uh, babies are being born. And why might that be? Well, okay, so less sex is happening. Uh, that's how babies are created. And then why are people having less sex? And then I thought, well, porn, you know, probably you know, there's like a substitution effect with porn. So you substitute porn for sex because of all this access to the Internet. And obviously, there's more porn, you know, consumption now than ever. Um, and I mean, even if it's not like literal porn, I mean, that's kind of what I think like social media often is. It's like a porn of sorts, you know. I mean, it's like literally just hot people, oftentimes. And so it's like even if you're not calling it porn, it's like, what's this really about? Is it because this content is so entertaining and informational, or is it because that person is attractive? You know, that kind of thing. So anyway, so or there's not, all this porn. It doesn't even have to be the person. It could be whatever is being presented as attractive. It's people take pictures of the oh, best parts of their life. That too. You know I mean, you, and that's all you see. And then you compare yourself. And then maybe you, then that even may push some people into porn because yeah. they don't see the, you know, the. The hard work or the thing behind the scenes. Yeah. Or I don't see how am I going to get a good girl? How am I going to get a, a good guy when. And now all of this other stuff is actually adjusting your standards as well, maybe making right. them unrealistic, you know, all of this kind of thing. And every, I think everybody's susceptible to that. I know, like, 
we are, I mean, we don't really course, have a lot of people yeah. over because Kim doesn't really like this, you know, the state of the house, the quality, the, the cookie cutter vibe is not here, you know? And so we just don't have people over. And I think that a part of that is probably because of what's presented. And a lot of that stuff that's presented has actually materialized. So like every, all these little houses they build, they build these little tiny houses all right next to each other, no yard, no nothing. They all look the same. And you know, a lot of them, when you get a peek inside of them or outside, everything's well manicured. Everything looks like it's out of a magazine, you know, get rid of stuff that isn't, you know, part of the feng shui or whatever. And there may be some value to, to being that kind of tidy or whatever, but to internalize that to such a degree that you didn't hate what you have because it doesn't meet the ideal is a tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is the meaningful stuff is being substituted with kind of the internet and being online and having access to all this information, which is, yeah, I mean, you can just meditate on that. And that's kind of a a weird thing. Like we value, yeah, that over other things. And you can see how it's not even an active choice often. It's almost like a, you're thrust into the internet, the digital society where it's widely available. And obviously there's logical, rational reasons to have the internet. It's so convenient and we could do so many things with it. But then you see, yeah, kind of the negative consequences. And the last thing well, I wanted it, to say... It, oh, it taps ahead. those... Well, I was going to say, just, it taps on purpose when you go and scroll for an hour. As we know, there's... You're getting hits. Dopamine, dopamine, dopamine. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> and then it depletes you. Wow, that was weird. Was that planned? Yeah, <laughs> I hope that makes it on the recording. But that like that has this effect then you put your phone down and then what do you always feel like fuck why did i do that you know like and it right, right. it it gives you that like a shame and then you guilt or something well you're depleted you you and now you have to do real stuff to get that same fix and real stuff is hard and you're addicted to the easy and it it inhibits us so i think that there's like all sorts of mechanisms swirling around us that are kind of working against us Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. No, the last thing I was going to say, this is just interesting. So I was looking up some sex stats, like what's going on with this people having less sex and people are having less sex. That's a fact. And then I found this other thing. So this is in the Scientific America. This is an article, an interview, actually, with this researcher and a reporter. Um, the researcher's name is Her um is his last name. Anyway, that's not important. But the person interviewing him asked... In your paper, you bring up increases in quote-unquote rough sex as potentially contributing to declines in overall sex. Can you explain what you mean by rough sex and how it could be playing a role in these changes? And the researcher responds, especially for those aged 18 to 29 years old, there have been increases in what many people call rough sex behaviors. Limited research suggests that an earlier idea of this was what I would consider fairly vanilla rough sex, pulling hair, a little light spanking. What we see now in studies of thousands of randomly sampled college students is choking or strangling during sex. The behavior seems to be a majority behavior, a majority behavior, majority behavior for college age students. For many people, it's consensual and wanted and asked for, but it's also scary to many people, even if they learn to enjoy it or want it. It's a major line of research for our team to understand how they feel, what the health risks are, and how it can fit into larger sexual landscapes. Blah, 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 blah. Anyway, I just thought that was a really startling fact. A majority behavior. 
That is interesting. How, more yeah, than 50% people are having choking sex. <laughs> choking sex. Yeah, that, <laughs> seems, that seems, and I think they mean real choking, like real choking. Like I kind of want to like be scared. Like I want it to be real. It needs to be real enough for me to be scared. Yeah, I right. guess. Because, I mean, that's why they're making that distinction between the spanking light, and the yeah. light rough and not light rough or whatever rough rough <laughs> vanilla rough, rough and but, not <laughs> and right. rough, rough. oh god Pup because but that's probably from porn right exposure. that's what i was thinking yeah i was just like, like it has to be even on increased porn exposure even tv i mean we even had the 50 shades of gray thing was like a cultural phenomenon which was like just such a clear indicator of the degradation of the relationship between men and women, I think. Right. And it's so interesting. I mean, I don't want to speculate too much, but it's just like a, it's a weird metaphorical thing to think about that. Like this is like sex is an intimate moment. Like you're very vulnerable with the other person. And instead of it being like playful and loving and tender, it's like very aggressive, almost like to the point of lethal um yeah so that's a weird thing and not that yeah you can't have uh you know variations there but this is like we're going all the way from one end of the spectrum to the other like i mean it's very dangerous to choke someone in that way like you could literally kill them yeah i mean especially in like a moment where you're kind of like losing control right but yeah i think uh you know i wonder too if it's there's probably something about that that is, I mean, there's something about like sex. This is like a totally deviation what we're talking about, but like something about sex that is like, it's uh what's a good word. Like it's like, it's uh, so different than like just regular life. You know, it's, <laughs> it's like intense. And anyways, like it's, extreme like it's if you just as a description like it's penetrative it's uh vulnerable i think would work even in a non-violent situation mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. a description and that there's something uh so coming through that experience with somebody the intense almost almost scary just for lack of a better term experience can feed a bonding mechanism to some extent as mm-hmm, it is. Mm-hmm. So I think paired with the porn, of course, but also maybe it says something to our lack of ability broadly to feel those connection, that bond with people that, that comes mm. through that experience. So yeah. like if I like choke the life out of you and then we come through that experience there's it's kind of like like mm. sex the shame yeah. that kind of surrounds sex there's something about like there's shame involved you do the shameful thing you know quote unquote with somebody and then that bolsters the relationship like you stay together you know what i mean it's kind of like when you like criminals mm-hmm. like steal <laughs> together you know what i mean like you're in on this too you're like it like it, there's something about the the vulnerability there that like bonds you in a way but 
clearly there's like more pathological versions of that and the fact that it is such a pathological situation where it's so prevalent and so extreme that it says something about our ability to connect with people bond with Mm. people feel that connection feel that thing there with others that's somehow need for some reason for this this group for this large group of people needs to be this way for that to occur i don't know that must that might mean something well together through thick and thin kind of idea and reminds me of the seasons like because you don't live in a a more natural, like varied environment and where there would be natural sort of more difficult times that you might get, you know, be together through thin and thick well, or whatever. Well, I mean, somebody could, as you age, somebody might need more care than the other person. And that's, you might be receiving or giving the kind of care that someone else would not do. Like it's too much, you know, those are, that's for like hospice nurses or something. And you need to be able to have developed a relationship to the, enough to where you want to do that for somebody else. Yeah. Be there for somebody else in that way. Mm. And in, again, like an extreme way, because life is hard. I mean, life goes hard. Like earth is intense. Yeah. Like living is crazy. <laughs> I can't believe, you know, we have to do this, but yeah. but we do. <laughs> but we do. We're here. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, well, I gotta go. Well, that's that. Yeah. Population about to collapse. It's fine. Oh, well. Back to work. Back to work. <laughs> <laughs>